Welcome to the KLE podcast, Kingdom Leadership Equipping, where you and people are being equipped to be uh, to fulfill their potential and to to have a new generation of leaders that become leaders um, with a kingdom mindset. You are here today, and this is interview day, and um, I have an, an interview. Oh, by the way, this is Sean Smith, your host, and uh, I have an interview that I'm going to pop up um, today is the uh, interview that I did with a couple called John and Leslie Leach. They are missionaries down in Zambia or across the ocean um, in Africa in a nation called Zambia. And uh, they were traveling in America last year uh, just to come and encourage and meet some of their friends, etc. And they took our time um, to meet with me and a few friends and um, and just share their hearts a little bit. So there is a it's a long, long interview that they did Um which we did in the Facebook group, um, uh, Kingdom Leadership Equipping, a live video with them. And I've edited it right down so that you can just hear uh, mostly about what they are about, what they're doing, um, what they're experiencing, what motivates them, what their challenge is uh, to us and to those that want to go into the mission field. So enjoy this time with them. They are, um, John is on John Leach. Um, is on Facebook, and you can reach him um, if you would like to correspond with him or support him in any way. So um, enjoy this this uh, interview, and then we will chat a, another time again. Have a great weekend. Quite a, it's quite a journey, and I, I thank God that I've got a good wife that did that journey with me and has been the journey with me because, you know, as a fashion designer way back when we got married all right. and flying all over the world and you know with fashion and mm. yeah and yeah we now in the sticks in the in a very remote area um the people have rags on their bodies that's the rags that have been given to them by somebody somewhere way back um you kind of think well how does leslie uh, walk along the road with john you know why aren't you doing fashion designing and all this stuff but at, you know at the end of the day it's a calling um, many folk will attempt and uh, good hearts. Let's get into. I want to be a missionary. I want to be a missionary. And uh, I think the the perception, misperception, is that missionaries are such big romantic kind of lovely to be out there kind of thing. Yes, and yes. that's not really true. It's a, it's hard work. Uh, you've got to be called for it. Uh, my wife over here gets every disease, tropical disease. She's had malaria. She's had typhoid. She's had. Uh, I haven't had any of those. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and yet she still she hasn't said to me I, I think you can continue here in the field I will um, uh, uh, I, I think I will go with the kids or I'll go back home kind of thing and, and be in Cape Town or wherever where we originate from so yeah so we've been in the field now for 22 years um, and it, it's been a calling God had called me out of a successful business career totally successful wasn't like I was struggling. You know, if you if you hear somebody say, oh, I'm not doing so well in my business or I'm not doing so well, I think God's calling me to missionaries. Uh, uh, no, no, no. You first got to struggle, go through the hardships. The world is a, is, a, is a good teacher to grind you and do you in and lie about you and really give you a hard time. Because when you get to be a missionary, it doubles in worse. <laughs> I have been shoved around. I have been told, get out here, white man, we don't want you. 
uh, we don't want missionaries here. I have my, had my mission permit removed and I was under investigation for being a spy and I've been accused of being a spy. Um, I've, I haven't been shipwrecked, but I've been vehicle wrecked in the bush where it's just me in the bush um, and I've got to leave my vehicle in two days trekking out to go and find parts and then uh, not being there and having to get the stuff in from somewhere else on a tourist bus back in and then like five days later get back to my vehicle and have it and repair it you know uh, the shock absorber broken down after that so um it's 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 been 22 years i eh, shown from the time that we got to know one another in 1994 and it was in 1994 uh, 1997 that the Lord called us into full-time out of a, a successful career into full-time um, and our vision isn't to retire. <laughs> no, no way. Folk from um, America and come, come along and get in, continue to get involved with cross-cultural missions. That's what the Lord said we, we have to do. And I'm calling to that. But I would like to do what we do there now over here and over here and over here. And I would just a little bit tickle your fancy. By the way, I've got a land in Malawi. We don't know what to do with it. I just let you know. Oh, no. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, that's it. I think, uh, I, uh, by the way, we can talk, uh, we've got, our uh, whole life has been a testimony. But I think let's share a little bit on what we're doing where we are. Yes. Northwest Zambia, we work, we, you know, um, it's very, the only place in the world where you can really say there's unreached people is the 10, what is known as the 1040 window. That is Islamic majority of your Islamic countries. Very difficult, and we then hear of folks that are working there, and like in China, the underground church is more uh, growing at a phenomenal rate, and it's more powerful, if you want to use that term, than, what you, than the, the church that you see that is in, in China. So we know God is working astronomically and out of this world. But where we are in the northwest of Zambia, it's a, it's a, a little... Um, a tribe, if you can use a people called the Luvali people, and uh, there's 69 different tribes in different languages in Zambia. This is one of them, and it used to be a British colony, so the language spoken and taught in the schools, in the high schools, and in the cities is English. But where we are, the, the, and, 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 the, the very few people speak English. So we're on this side of the Zambezi River. Okay, the east side. On the east side, you've got uh, high schools in the little village. There's some high schools around. We have about a thousand, a thousand two hundred people uh, in this village. Um, so there's some high schools there, and which go to grade twelve, and the kids are learning English and they can communicate in English. But across the river, and uh, you can't cross this river. There's no road. There's no bridge. So you've got to go with what you guys, I think, would call a ferry or a pontoon is what we call it. So you've got to put your vehicle on the pontoon and we cross. And then on the other side of the um, pontoon or the ferry, um, there's no roads. There's ox cart trails. And you're on these ox cart trails and you along these ox cart trails like that. Um, so I now drive with my 4x4 four four along these ox cart trails. The people over there are um, totally illiterate. Um, and so the way you have to share the gospel with them is through vision and hearing. So we use we use flip charts, picture charts, and we use little uh, recorders in their language. But 
we have trained up the church, which is on this side of the Luvali church, which is on this side of the river. We've trained up their people. So it's the Luvali taking the gospel to the Luvali. How's it going, man? How's it going? Cool, man. Good to see you out there. Thank you. So it's these, it's, it's the church taking it there. So we then go into the field initially, because I've been there six years. I would go in with these folks and see that they're doing it right, discipleship, doing it properly. Don't just teach them to teach others. No, 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 no. Then we don't come with Jesus straight away. And here's the interesting one. We, we, we don't bring Jesus in onto the plains straight away. We come first with creation. Because the, the exciting thing here is a lot of times when we get to a village, the village, when you start sharing with them, they'll say, oh, you're coming to tell us about the spirit of the hundred eyes. And then we say, that's right, we're coming to tell you about the spirit of the hundred eyes. Because just like Paul and with the Greeks, I think it was, and they said, you're coming to tell us about the unknown God, it's exactly the same. Because we found out that this spirit, initially I thought, no, 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 we're coming to tell you about Kalinga, my God. And then I found out, my guys were telling me, no, 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 this spirit, my, when I say my guys, my buddies, my pastors and that, that I work with, I said, they said, no, this spirit of a hundred eyes is an all-seeing spirit. And in their, uh, in their dark witchcraft and witch doctors and in their belief system, their religion, it's, you know, they go to the witch doctor if they have a problem or whatever it is, and then they, they conjure whatever. In that system, there's ancestral worship, which is part of their framework of religion. There's paganism. There's, there's this mixed kind of thing over here. Uh, but if, if let's say I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of my brother here, I want your land. I go to the witch doctor. I say, listen, I want this man's land. He needs to be killed. Then what the witch doctor does, he'll put a curse on this guy. But I've got to pay chickens and whatever. Then I put a curse on this man. Everybody knows there's a curse on him except him. Now, what happens in two weeks, three weeks' time, he'll walk down in the forest and the um, animal will jump out or two robbers or whatever jump out with a knife and they're going to try and they want to steal his jacket and they, they stab him. But he's able to get away. He's able to avoid uh, a lot of the attack. He's wounded. He comes back into the village and say, ah, the spirit of the hundred eyes protected him. And it's a spirit which they cannot get to, but it's more powerful than the spirit which they are familiar with. And now we come along and we say, right. we say yes. And then we start showing them creation because some of them believe we come from birds. Others, like we teach in our schools now, where we evolve from monkeys or whatever it is. You know, Darwin. Or, you know, we got all this rubbish around. And that's our framework of religion. That's what people believe. Now, how do you clean up that framework? Because if you bring in Christ, and I found this out in Malawi, by the way. I was working amongst the Yao people. And, uh, uh, and there's a lot of Islam influence amongst these people in that area. Um, they've got in. Now, what happens? They just add Christ. So what we do, we bring along. And then when you chronologically you show them the creation, you show them the fall, you show them God as a God of order and how it's back together. And that's a beautiful thing, by the way, you young Maddie. So, um, so now we come with this thing and we, with this Old Testament, and we then start creation, order, the fall, Cain and Abel, and we chronologically come along with scripture. So by the time you get, here's the interesting thing, by the time you get to Solomon um, um, Gomorrah, these, these people already identifying themselves with a certain son. We haven't said you guys are a bunch of gunkies. We haven't said you, you sinners in need of a savior. We're hammering these guys. You got it. You know what I mean? No, no, no. We're just getting in the story. It's the Bible. 
What does the Bible say? That it's, uh, 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 the, the word is a two-edged sword, eh? So let the word do its job. Yes, the drill, and we ex-soldiers. If you don't know your weapon well, you can hurt yourself. You better know how to wield that weapon well. It's the same thing with the word of God. You need to wield it well. It's a two-edged sword. So I can I can smack you with the blunt with the back end of a sword. That's just boasting, by the way, in, in a sword fight. And if sword fight guys like I see in the old days, we fight, we fight, and if I find a bit, I'm just give a guy a bit of a slap. I'm, I'm letting him know, man, I'm, I'm I'm you know, it's like mocking the guy. Now a lot of times we get very that's what we need to do in the right in the right place. Do we use the word now as a sword or do we use it as self, as ointment? Because that's also a job of the word. It can be used as self. Do we need to use it? So so now we're coming along with this story. We oh, we just as bad as those guys. Now they realize all the things that they've been doing, killing one another, skeletons on the plane, voodoo. Oh, bad. And we tell them now that there's a savior coming for mankind. But he's going to come through Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, that bloodline. But now we tell them that Abram gets told by God he's going to kill Isaac. Hey, now you must see these folks. You haven't said anything yet. You haven't convinced them yet. You're just bringing the stories chronologically through the word. In other words, you're just giving the word to them, the word to them, the word to them. And then I love it this time because we work out sometimes you three weeks, four weeks, sometimes six weeks in the field before you introduce Christ. You want to make sure they know. You want to take on. You know, work with you. Work. And we use pictures and story. And then my men, because they know, the Luvari knows the Luvari. If they, if they see something, they'll stop the story or they, they know it verbatim as well, the whole thing. They will stop and they'll start laying a bit deeper on that situation. You know, it's easy. And uh, this is my best time because when it gets to this time, I chill because we say, right, Abraham's been told by God he's got to kill his son. And then for two days, 48 hours, I do nothing. No more lectures, no more talking, you know, no more. You guys can continue carry on in the. So go into the fields, they come back, we have sessions with them so they get together. Hey, these people are distraught now. How can this God Brenna? And you get folk coming back to you at this time in this 48 hours. Hey, Bona, Bona. Uh, now I'm having, I'm flopping a chop. You know, we could, that's a fry barbecue, flop a chop. You know, busy on flopping a chop, nice big jug of coffee. You know, hunting rifle. You know. I've got a rifle to shoot snakes and that other thing, but so we. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so we then just let them, the old, you know, stir at the stage of the game. And they come down, Buana, Buana, this Kalunga, he's going to make a plan. And they already got the, you see there? They've already got it. I didn't tell them God's making a plan. But just bringing the scriptures along with the day, telling me, no, this God's going to make a plan. This, God, this, this spirit of the hundred eyes, he's going to make a plan. Because no way, how's it going to work? He's going to kill this guy. Some of them will tell you, he's going to kill this guy and he's going to raise him from the dead. How's that? They're telling me that. Of the others, so when we do show them the ram in the bush and he's caught by the Lord, ah, we told you, ah, we told you, no? Why not? Hey. Let me continue. By the time we bring in Christ, these folks' hearts are so ready to receive Christ because they are so desperate. They realize in what a mess they are. So when when Christ dies, these folks go into total despair. They go, you just, you watch them, you, they just like, just, they, their heads just drop, they just drop, and they just sit there like this, and they walk off and they shake their head. 
because now in species like you bring that holding then you bring in the jesus form then you can bring in that jesus form that everybody wants to bring in right in the beginning no no no, no bring it in now it's ready i want to tell you something i see that but when they see the resurrection and the victory over death and over sin it's from total remorse total anxiety and stress snot and tears and this is how they are you've got these others running your place of it dawns on them but he's risen now i haven't made an appeal to these folks who wants to accept jesus as their lord and savior not a chance god's already done the work they see it on the cross it dawns on them and you'll see it's almost like it's like a confusion it's coming it's coming. and then they got it but he i'm saved i'm saved they realize they saved because Jesus has died and they saved and they get all happy oh bon, bon, hallelujah hallelujah now you get all the hallelujah when did you hear that word and they, and they, you know <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they're so excited and you excited with them and then comes the discipleship then you smarten that up because now you've got to show them what happened who is God what is God what is you know a, a, a deeper understanding now comes the milk of the word then comes the meat of the word and then in there in those and amongst us people will be those that will be and by the way our true conversions are like 80 percent we've got more real or true conversions than what we've got false conversions and so um and then your discipleship time but another beautiful thing that happens here is a change in their lifestyle now it's clear where we are because the woman sitting in the dirt source dirt source from dirt, they don't bath, they don't wash, no water, holes in the ground. I've got a video, you can go and look at it on the internet. Um, whole sores, they're, they're like dogs in the sand, and that's where Satan has kept them for millennia. They, they eat, put in Cain and Abel. No economy, nothing on the plains. Rain season, sick now, six months, nobody can access them, it's flooded. So they've got, they use their mosquito nets. As fish nets and there's millions of tilapia, little fish like that, all over the plains now with these floods that are coming out and, and then that's their meat for the summertime again because they'll take it, they'll dry it, and in the and in, in then they'll barter with it. That's really the economy of bartering and that type of thing. So the and then the transformation is just because and we see it, the Lord cleans up your heart. Um, I might because I'm not running around all over the show, I've got over 30 people, I've turned up over a hundred folk. But about 30 folk are really sincere and they've been rolling all the time, even now while I'm here. They're with canoes going down the river. Yeah. And when they go down, they'll walk as far as they can until they can't because of the marshes and that gets flooding up now. They'll make sure that what is being shared and what's going on, they continue to input into these, into these people's lives. Um, but the beautiful thing is, when I go around, I don't know what happened, I was involved maybe with this village over here. And I'll go around maybe in a month's time and I have a look and then I see yeah, got a little, little bush and sweeping around the yard. Things look a little bit in, in order. I'm saying to my mate, have you told these people they've got to clean up the act? Huh? You see, with Christ cleaning up on the inside, there's a manifestation of that in the outside, in their own limit, their minds are now set free of darkness and dirt and animal. This is a mentality Satan wants you to have all the time. You're just an animal. You're just a, you're putting a finger in God's eye because you created in his image and he's just keeping you down in the dirt down in the dirt and uh, so when the good news comes and these by them they their whole lives change we take it from there.
Let's hear from Leslie now. Okay. What would you say is your biggest challenge in being a missionary in, in Africa? Uh, there's many challenges. I think firstly, uh, you heard earlier that I was a fashion designer. So that was my career. I was very career orientated. But for God to have brought about what we are doing today, he had to do a stripping away, all the way. And I went through that process. And um, where I find myself now, when I first got to Zambia, it was like, what am I actually doing here? It's like, pinch me, is this really happening? <laughs> Here's the city girl, used to all the shops around, everything going around. And now I'm in this isolated African village, nothing but bush and sand and a river full of crocodiles and all the deadly snakes around. And it's like, no, this can't be happening. But uh, over time, God has softened my heart and I've been able to endure all these and overcome all these uh, obstacles. But I think our biggest challenge as, as a missionary wife um, is that I, I sincerely would like to have more women with me to help me to do what, what we are doing out there. But the challenge we face is there's just not enough resources that we, we, we need to be able to accomplish what we're trying to do. It's just basically John and myself out there. And it's just so wide open with the need and the hunger as you heard for the gospel. So resources is always a challenge as a missionary's wife. Uh, even the resources on my side, for instance, we just have to travel seven hours drive to go and do our shopping. Um, not just around the corner, seven hours, and then I've got to work out my rations for two months. And if I don't work it out right, we're gonna run out. So those are like little challenges um, that I find I had to overcome as well because I was so used to just having shops around me. Um, I really had to trust God for our provision. It's always a challenge as a, as a missionary's wife. Um, it's all very good and well to turn around to John and say, okay, what about this? But the answer I'm going to get is, don't ask me, ask the Lord. <laughs> because that's how we live. We live by faith and we trust and believe God will provide. And that's what he's been doing all along, and it's now six years. And uh, I've actually been now able to call Zambia my home. In the beginning, it wasn't home, but it's become home. So, uh, well, that was a challenge. I lived without electricity for a number of years, uh, four years, five years. We only got electricity last year, uh, January, and we got solar which was an absolute blessing. Thanks to our American supporters, we were able to get that. And also I was just sharing earlier about the water problem because we used to have to take water out the river. I'd have to sit and put it on the fire, big stainless steel pot, boil, 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 and then pour it through a filter jug when it cooled off. And I was like filling up bottles, but no sooner had I filled up a bottle, it was finished. I, I just could never build up a supply. And we were blessed with a nice Berkey last year. So we can actually just take the water, pour it in, and it's all filtered. So little challenges like that. And I think also just health-wise, our biggest killer still is the mosquito. We have malaria problems. Um, he has shared that I've picked up malaria before. And I'm praying I never get it again. And I've also had typhoid. 
So there are those kind of obstacles and fears and things that missionaries do have to consider when you go out into Africa as such. You face all of that. I must say we're building our home at the moment. Pretty cool. Um, so we've got a bedroom and a, a bathroom. So that's pretty cool because we we we, we in the garage we built a, 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 a we built a triple garage with two um, 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 storerooms on either side. So we did this storeroom over here. We just made our bedroom and a bathroom, and then the triple garage, which is like an open plan if you want to call it like that. So we then we put a, a sink and, and some cupboards and that over there. And the, we were in the house. We registered uh, the the, the the reading for the temperature in our main room was 52 degrees Celsius, which is 127 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. And that's a, <laughs> Leslie would walk. My wife would walk. Folks, let me tell you something. She, that's why I say, I, I, I thank God. Eh? When God puts two together, let no man put us under. Eh? Because uh, she would walk fully clothed into the shower. Stand with the clothes on in the shower. Close the tap come out and continue to work in the house because it's so hot it should be and the clothes would be dry within 10-15 minutes that's how hot it was now now we've got the bedrooms of at least we're sleeping cool so we're building <laughs> we 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 add we're now slowly but surely adding on to our home which is again pretty cool excuse the pun because cool is the cool is the right word <laughs> it's like cool we build with stone the local material stone we put grass we've had not thick section grass it so it's nice and high and cool so we're busy with that and um so there, it's not a challenge, but I mean, there is something that you mm. would make life that much easier. I'm, it's easy for us men. Let's get real. It's easy for men. But men. We just, uh, hey, man, see you. I'm gone for three days. We take our tent and we are in the bush. And, you know, we've got my stretcher nowadays. I've got a stretcher. stretcher. Not on the ground. <laughs> stretcher with a mattress. Yeah. <laughs> I must be off the ground. Because I've got that kind of comfort. Men are okay. We are going to go tonight at the fire. We sit and we're talking. Women, they nest makers. They nest makers. <laughs> so, um, so that's um, still, I, would, I wouldn't call it a challenge, but that's where you still are required. I'm told they were asking you what is your challenge, where you would require something to ease up a bit of the old. Uh, <laughs> yes, the list can go on. The list, I'm sure. The list yeah. can go on. But uh, all in all, I think for anyone that is wanting to go out into the mission field, uh, God, just know that God's going to prepare you before he sends you. There's no ways that I could have stepped out of where I was straight in to where I am now. As uh, we explained, it's very rural. And, um, you know, I'd left my family, my friends, everything that was familiar to me. Now I'm in this absolute unfamiliar environment. Uh, it was quite daunting. So. Yeah, but she said the farm. Where we were on the farm, the rehab. That was my training ground. Yeah. <laughs> as much as those guys were on rehab, I was also on rehab. <laughs> Re <laughs> rehab. Attitude changing and, and everything. Yeah. It's true, boy. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, being called into and, and stepping into a mandate, into a commission that God has on your life to fulfill a mission mm -hmm. is never easy. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, is that I, I always tell the guys, you know, is when God asked me back in 1990, 1990 um, you know, he said, the Lord said to me, um, 
do you want this? And I said, yes, Lord. And he said, do you know what it's going to cost you? I said, no, Lord. And he said, do you still want it? I said, yes, Lord. If I knew then what I know now, I might have said no. <laughs> you know, yes. I might then have said no. But, but through everything, through over the past, uh, how many ever, many, many 30, 40, 30 years, you know, God works one stage at a time. He does. So, so you are six years now in Zambia, but you were traveling quite extensively before that, a number of years, weren't you? Yes. For, uh, um, for Look, we've been in the field away from secular employment uh, and sec, uh, from, from, uh, for 22 years now. Okay. Years. In the early years, we would, uh, I would uh, assist missionaries that were out in the field, that were there, guys like myself, permanent in the field, remote. God always called me to remote or walk on him. So uh, Angola, where I fought once upon a time, now became my mission field. Mission field. In the area where uh, the, the rebel forces were, were the pro-West guys, and the MPLA, the, they were the communist guys. And so there was still a war going on in that country when our war ended. So I would take supplies, Bibles, clothes, food, into this locked-down area. And... Um, that was into Angola. Then the war came into Angola, into that part, Kwanakabongo, where I, where I focused. And then those people became refugees, so the refugee camp opens up. So now I start taking folk into the refugee camp during the days that I was on the farm as well, taking clothes, and we're helping the folk now that come from there. Now there's five nations in the refugee camp, Rwanda, Burundi, Congo, Angola, and some other folk that don't want to stop fighting. And so that, so, and then, so I worked there for three or four years, and then I'm accused of being a spy. The security's all over me like a rash. Door closes um, in that area, and but I continue to work from Cape Town to South Sudan. So all those countries, I mean, if you go up Africa and then to the east, all those countries, Malawi. Um, I worked every year, two, three times in Malawi. I would drive into Malawi, other than my own, with supplies uh, for the missionaries out there, come along, help them. Uh, doors opened up then for training, equipping, and so God continued to open up doors for me. So, yeah, it's just six years ago um, that the Lord said, now all of that, this is the whole thing about your walk. You think, why am I doing, why am I, why, you know, why am I suffering? Why is this thing so hard? You just have to go and look at Joseph and Moses and a couple of the boys up there. And say, no, okay, I understand why. Okay. I'm on, I'm, I'm a, these, are, these are like signposts on the road. Okay, I'm at the road. Yeah, then we get David. Yeah, you know, I walk through the valley of the shadow of say, Whoa, thank you, David. I need that. You know, I've got a trust in God. And 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 so I walk through deep valleys. We walk through deep valleys, deep dark valleys where the hounds of hell were barking. They couldn't get to the middle of the road, but you know, but they were their breath was hot standing. enough that you know, they were fearless, man. And you I could have turned. I could have turned then gone back. But I chose, you know, you choose not to, you chose, oh, no, 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 no. And then, so the valleys actually become, they're a little bit, they're just not too many, they're not so deep anymore. But, and it's easy now to go through these valleys. It's like Kidron, you know, because the Bible speaks of Kidron. That's a terrible place, stinking, horrible, dirty, filthy. And even Jesus went through Kidron. So, you know, we, when these things come across, you just, you start learning to, you know, it's, it's a joyful thing. It, 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 you know, count it all joy when trials and tribulations come upon you. Now I understand what that means. I didn't like it then. Now when a trial and a tribulation comes, I always, I always relish it. Because I'm thinking, yeah, this is, this, 
So I want, I want to beat the guy back and just smack me in my face. But, you know, that's my, my nature, my, my human nature. But my, the Lord just keeps my hands by my side because in a half an hour's time, he's going to come back and apologize to me, which happens. Sorry, didn't want to do that. I was angry with yeah. you. You offended me. So, so that's that's how yeah, years. What what motivates you every day? I mean, is what I was the point I was trying to make is <laughs> you've been you've been <laughs> you've been through all of this, but and you've been six years now where you are, yes, right? Yes, yes. And and it didn't start easy. No, I mean you you went to not like a fashionable house and and uh, you know everything just on tap and everything running. There was no convenience really to start in there is that right no it was just raw land it had actually been corn land so once the corn was stripped away all it was was just river sand and just bush wow. so we had to take it and just develop it from there and like i said you know coming from the city you're used to switching lights on and just everything just working at your you know snap of your hands now i had to learn how to um do without electricity how are you going to live and uh, survive out here in this village area with not much at your disposal how are we going to survive well it's obviously the lord the lord has been there to sustain us and um, what motivates us to keep going i think is just when you see the results of what we're doing when you see how these people's lives are changed and you just know that it's for the best better that they are being given an opportunity to come to know christ and if god has got us there just the two of us uh with this vast area that we're having to cover we're just saying lord we can only do what we can do but in your strength and uh he's given us two great church uh, uh, leaders and the uh, people that we can train and send them as well and to see the results and and what's happening in their lives you know it's not what we can do but it's what we can see happening through the others that we are busy training for instance i've had to train the woman to to share the gospel because a lot of those women that i work with have also not had any schooling so they don't know how to read I can't sit there and, and, and say, okay, you read to me, you know. Mm. Or when you go somewhere into a village, you go and read to them. Mm. They don't know how to do it. Mm. So I've had to sit with the woman and actually try and help them to be able to share the gospel with our material. Because often what happens when you go into the village, the men sort of tend to sit one side and the woman and the children the other. Yeah, the women are working. And out of obedience, these women would give their lives to Christ because their husband did. But they never really got the gospel. Then they haven't had a true conversion take place. So I've had to train the woman to be able to share the gospel with the, the women themselves. But at the same time, uplift them, encourage them, show them difference of cooking. For instance, they'll take a sweet potato and they'll put it in the coals, and that's how they've been doing it all the years. And they'll just eat the fish. But I've had to teach them that actually the goodness is actually in the, the skin. They don't understand nutrition. So there's so much more that we've had to do. But I've been encouraged because for them to just, you know, just the response that you get out of what you're sharing. And I'm thinking, but I still feel so useless even in what I've shared. But for them, it is amazing. 
It is just so enlightening. It, it is encouraging. They feel loved by God because he sent me to come and share all this with them. Right. And they understand that when I speak about God's love, they truly understand it because they say, thank you for coming because you are sharing the love of Jesus for me by what you're doing. And we see that. And it just touches their hearts because they've, learned, they've not known love. You know, they, the people that we deal with on the other side, I don't want to get emotional, but they, they're not very... Uh, they're not emotional. They're not emotional people. The fathers don't really even father their children. They don't hug them. They don't cuddle them. They don't really get involved with the children. We've had to teach these fathers how to be fathers. Don't call yourself a father if you don't know how to father. So we've had to try and unite the family in, in, in the love of Christ, which they have not known. And it's made a huge difference. It's impacted those men. They are now playing with their children. It's not just the mother that's left to tend these children and look after them. The fathers are actually taking up some of that responsibility. Huge changes in their culture. Huge. And um, the children that are just really often just left totally neglected. We've come to villages where they're walking with ringworm all over them and there's been no treatment. Um, and now you come and you can give them something to put on their head and they get healed from this ringworm. It's like God loves me. This is, this is stuff that he sent so that I can get healed. It's little things like that that keep me going, that keep me focused and I try not to focus on all the the hardships. In the beginning, it was hard not to focus on the, the hardships. But I focus on those results and the, just seeing the joy in those children's faces, the women feeling so good about themselves. They come back from an outreach and oh, we had responses. And, oh, you know, it was all that excitement just rubs off on you. Yeah. And it just yeah, keeps you right. going. It keeps you going. And the next day, today is another day, you know. And that's how we... And uh, I wanted to, um, last question kind of thing. Um, you know, back in back in the old days, you know, missionaries used to come to the local church and uh, tell the experiences of what they've done and, and gave an altar call mm -hmm. to to those that um, you know who who believes God's calling them to the mission for. You know? And uh, um, and I just want to sort of insert here you know it's, it's it's just such an example that touches me so deeply to hear how and what you've been through and mm -hmm. and your commitment to the commission and mandate of, of christ you know there um simply because i mean even in the group i've got so many and, and you know i've traveled now africa and, and in different places in the world ministering and and everybody especially the younger generation want it easy you know it's just like um you know give me this i've got to have that i've got to have this before and and, and they think ministry is actually all about what you can get you mm -hmm. know about mm -hmm. the position the title the money the car the jets and and all and you, and for you guys you've gone the other way to to actually reach people's hearts so you know as as somebody making an appeal to to the heart of this generation to the heart of in where, wherever nation whatever nations are watching us right now is the the altar call that you would give 
um, to this generation now for from your heart to their heart as as a, as as missionaries now to the commission of the Lord you know yeah I would I would I would, I would say this and um, Acts 1 verse 8 and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth a lot of folk um, um, the, the, you think you're going to go out there, you're called of God, and you find between things in your own strength, and you're not making it, and you don't make it. My, my encouragement to all enthusiastic folks that want to be involved in the mission of number one, cross-cultural was relevant so many years ago with Paul and Peter and others. It's relevant. There are many places here in America, Europe, and that that need our African folk to come and share the gospel here. At the same token, we need our folk to go there. Europe is dark. So the importance of cross-cultural missions and missions is as relevant today as it was, it was there. But now we've got all this entanglement that you're talking about. But with all of that, with all of that kind of influence and peer pressure and influence, now you say, well, I feel a calling to get into the missions. I want to get into the missions. I will never discourage anybody to get into mission, but that's my first thing I'm going to say to you. Start in your own backyard, and this is how you start. Oh, we're going to wait. Where's the Bible? Just give me that Bible. This is how you start. Jesus is the one that teaches. And so we say, and who are we going to, what are we going to go into missions for? What is the motive of going into missions? Is the motive so that I can make money? You're going to, by the way, folk, you're not going to make money. There's no money. You will be given money to help other people. There's no money. Okay, so just get that one straight. Okay, so uh, in Matthew, um, in Matthew twenty-five, in Matthew twenty-five, verse thirty-one, yeah, God is dividing the sheep from the goats. He says, "When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in the heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people from one another." The Shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to the other on the right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. If you don't have that compassion in your heart to feed the hungry, what are you coming to do in the mission field? Because those people are very hungry in the mission field. They're not only spiritually hungry, physically hungry. Because they've eaten what we, we are, just the same food for thousands upon thousands of years. Nothing's changed. Same food in, same food out. He gave me something to eat. My wife teaching them how to cook differently. They, they eat better. She's nourished, bringing new seeds to farm and put me there. Now, um, but in your own backyard, you're in the cities. What about the kids that you know or the kids that you don't know? Go and look for that. Go and see who you can go. And, uh, you you fuck have got, you are so blessed. I ate at a place like what was it called? Small Borg or something like that. My <laughs> Then it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. We put in well points where we are. Oh, people are dying of diarrhea related diseases. Okay? Kids, five years old, dying. Um, put in fresh water for them. Give them clean water. Give them, give them living water. And then. They say, oh, thank you, thank you. Still thirsty from them. I really need to drink. I'm dying out of this water. We'll just let's give them clean water. What you know what I'm saying to the young missionaries, young and young 
uh, person that's keen to get into the field, you will be, you need to get your feet moving in a direction, in a direction. And that direction is, it's easy that direction because that's instructed in the word of God. So, so what you're doing is, and I know I'm going to go out of the picture now, but you're going to start walking in the direction. You're going to say, I'm going to start, I, I, I was in, I was um, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I'm going to go and I'm going to start work. I don't like working in hospitals. Personally, I don't. But I, that's the way I did go. You know, you know. So I go to the hospital. What am I going to say to the person? Like, while I'm there at the hospital and I'm doing something, all of a sudden a door opens of opportunity in another area. But you see, the Bible says God guides the footsteps of a righteous man. So if I'm doing the thing according to the Lord and I'm going that way, he says, no, you're going, I'm just going to guide your footsteps because you're moving. If you're sitting on your bum, you're not moving. How's God going to guide your footsteps? I'm waiting for God to tell me where I must go. And I've heard this a lot. I'm praying and I'm waiting. Now, I'll tell you what. Pray, obey the word, because obedience is better than sacrifice. Pray, obey the word, do what he's saying, and let God direct you. And you'll be lots of people. We'll see how they open up. So that's what I would say to these young generation. Mom, if I could do an altar call and, <laughs> altar call and say, listen, we need folk in the field. We need folk in the field. We've got two families, uh, one from America that's coming. Can you believe it? We didn't even ask. We don't even do that. But we share what we share and we get this kind of response. We pray to God, Lord, give us, uh, because it says pray to the Lord of the harvest for the laborers. So we pray. All of a sudden, you ask me this question. All of a sudden, I share. And uh, so the family's now going to come and join us for six months. From America. You want to come into the field? Um, you must already be doing something already at back home in your youth, wherever, be involved. And when you come into the field and there's, the field is wide open, we, we, the church is good in evangelism and piety. We, when you come into the field, we need business people, people with business brands. Come and help them teach the people how to do business. Because our people are business-minded because otherwise they would have died long ago that Africa would not be around. The people are entrepreneurial, but they don't know about short, medium, and long-term planning. So come to the mission field with a focus. What is it that you are bringing so that you can be a blessing to the people? And that would be my call. This morning was the same thing. A lot of businessmen. How do we do? What do we do? Business. And I said, there's a big black hole. It's called Africa. You can throw your money into that hole, and it won't change. Or you can come along and and partner, and I use that word very carefully, come partner so that we can get a result from the resources and from your effort and from you wanting to come into the field. When you leave, it must be a different place than when you came in. How must that look? You gifted and you talented and you gifted and you talented and God be unique. How does and let God pack that together? And because He's building His future. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you for being with us today and enjoying the, the interview with us. Um, as I said in the introduction, hey, uh, John and Leslie Leach are on Facebook. You can reach them um, via Facebook and Messenger and pop them a message, encourage them, um, tell them you heard their, um, their interview on our podcast. And, um, you know, you need to ask yourself, what is God's mission for your life? What is it that he's called you to do? What is his assignment for you? Because every single one of us has an assignment. It might not be Zambia. It might not be Africa. It, 
as John said, it could start just right here in your neighborhood, right here in your street, next door, in your own home could be your mission right now at work. Um, you are the leader when you step out and begin to influence your world, this culture, our society with the kingdom of heaven's influence. When you bring the influence of the kingdom of God and the values of the kingdom of God to where you are, you are beginning your mission where you are. And so I want to encourage you to, to walk in that and say thank you very much for being with us. And we'll talk to you soon again on KLE. God bless you.